0: Hey everybody, Zach here. I just wanted to give a quick content warning before we start the episode proper. In this episode, Rix and I talk about suicidal ideation and side effects of medication, and that's between 844 and 1344. If that's something you'd like to avoid, please jump to the 1344 mark. Other than that though, enjoy the episode. You've opened your eyes. Now what do you see? Dawn leads into day. Day rolls into dusk. Dusk crawls into dark. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Rick's Bright about his upcoming tabletop role-playing game, The Dark After Dawn. Explore a world of horror, both personal and societal, as you and your friends navigate a system that is land on limitations, but huge in scale. We talk mental health, world building, and horror. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am very excited to be talking to a new creator, one that I've only recently started kind of getting a little bit more about his work. Ricks, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week.
1: No, thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
0: I really like this, like, the look of the game we're looking at today. The Dark After Dawn, it's got these horror elements. As people who follow me on Twitter may know, I am really invested in horror right now. And so whenever I'm seeing anything that's even, like, a little bit spooky, I'm, I'm eating it up. And the aesthetic, and from what I've seen and read about it, I'm super pumped to learn more about The Dark After Dawn today.
1: Awesome, no, that's,
0: that's what I want to hear constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we really dive into what The Dark After Dawn is, though, Ricks, could you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, no, cool. So, I go by Rix on, uh, on Twitter, <laughs> as we were talking about before the start of the show, that's kind of like the, the proto-Celtic version of my name. Um, my name's actually Ryan and um, I live in uh, North Wales, which is in the UK. I live with my wife and my uh, 10-month-old son oh. and uh, we really took a, I decided this year that I was going to take a deep dive into all of the, sort of the creative elements that I've always wanted to do, you know, pull together some, uh... I, I kind of done poetry, uh, performed poetry for a long time and had, you know, lots, lots of secret notes and stuff. Um, but most of the time, 95% of my time, I'm just a, I'm a normal dad. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And then I take whatever free time I can to make crazy, horrific worlds of, uh, (laughs) (laughs) terrifying characters, apparently.
0: No, that's totally fair. You just mentioned there's something that I find really interesting, but because I didn't have this question, actually, like I came up with a lot of different talking points for us today. And I wasn't really sure because I didn't have a whole lot of time to talk to you. I've been super busy. I've been sick uh, for a little while. But one of the things that you just mentioned there was that you you wrote poetry and stuff. Where would you start shifting from poetry to tabletop role-playing game writing then?
1: My poetry was... So I started doing poetry about... 10 10 years ago and i just okay. one night i went to a i was really bored i just moved to the um birmingham which is like the se- second capital of of in- england i guess you could say mm-hmm. and i was really yeah, bored and i dropped into like a, a poetry show and someone convinced me to to write and perform the following week and it did really well and all of a sudden like i was going all the time and then I was being asked to go go to places and like, perform at places and host at places, and I like, got asked to do my own like my own show and stuff. And um, all of my um, pieces were quite dark in tone, not like horror. but They were like yeah. really dark and like real human, like deep feelings, either either my own or other people's. Um, but then after, then after a while, I was kind of like seeing that there were lots of people in the area, like Birmingham has this huge poetry scene, um, mm-hmm. and loads of people getting into it and doing really well off of it. But Then it just kind of, there was something for me that was something sort of missing. It kind of seemed like quite self absorbent, like people were just going, listen to me, I'm great, and I've got this story to tell, um, and, it's, and you're kind of going you listen to them for five or ten minutes and you go cool I got their opinion on that matter and I'm gonna have to you know hear someone else's 30 times it kind of just wasn't like sitting at it for me I've always played tabletop like games um and there was loads of like like I said there was loads of fiction that I kept really quiet with poetry ideas things that I didn't really want to share in poetry and then I realized that playing like a lot, particularly a lot of the older games from like the eighties and the nineties. We're talking, you know, we're talking Cyberpunk, um, yeah. Shadowrun, The World of Darkness, Mage: The Ascension. Those kind of games. That those mm-hmm. games um, were amazing because they had real human stories. There was kind of like that poetic element, like to it, but it wasn't in like a narcissistic, sort of egotistical way. And I realized yeah. that the poetry, the language of of it, kind of transferred over really really well um the horror element sort of came by accident when i started um personifying those the feelings that i was engaging with in the fiction um we can sort of touch on that in a little bit (laughs) but um but that was that was what happened and all of a sudden like it took a better life i was like this would be really cool as a story but then I was kind of like, I don't really want to write. I've got, like, there's writers in my family. Like, my uncle's a writer. My dad's a writer. Um, I'm connected to, to lots of writers. And I thought, mm-hmm. I kind of don't want to do that. And that was kind of really, really boring. And I was like, I kind of don't like playing. Th- I like kind of playing things in my head like that imaginative element. And yeah. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to put this to a tabletop roleplay game. And I could find a system. And I could put it on and I could throw out a tabletop game, and that would sort of be my creative outlet. I'll throw it out there exactly like I throw out a poetry. And um, that would be it. Um, But then it hasn't turned out that way. And um, some of the characters you may have seen on the actual Itch page, um, they weren't intentional. They were just kind of jotted down notes, and they've taken um, a life of their own, and someone eventually said that would make a really cool TTRPG you should do this, this is how you do this. And the game just exploded from there to the point where just having a very small system wasn't enough. Um, It wasn't enough just to throw out like a few lines here and there. People wanted everything. Um, And now the characters are alive and and terrifying. But it originally started (laughs) from poetry. It all began with... And there's some poems out there that are very... um, what's the word um like oh look at me like, like i'm evocative. sad or yeah like I-, I did this one poem i did music there was a video for it it's on youtube somewhere um <laughs> and it's like a full like there's like a full video of like walking around it's kind of like me telling this like story of some girl that i like fancied once upon a time or whatever and i did it in a very story <laughs> telling way yeah and um i've shown it to loads of people and people go yeah that's that's really good that's such an evocative story but but then it kind of just i was like it that would have made a much better like book like as a stor- short story it would have made an amazing short story the way it was and it just yeah poetry just wasn't really doing it for me i can write it like i can write the hell out of it like if i wanted to mm-hmm. but it just didn't sit with me whereas yeah, things it didn't like give you that feeling yeah, whereas TTRPGs have given me that feeling for a sort of a long time, and mm-hmm. I kind of wanted people to engage with the feelings, but they don't, there's like this, um... I kind of learned while I was at uni, doing uni things, that people don't really take in like the meaning of a text, like they'll they'll read it and they'll interpret it their own way. We know this from the TTRPG space, you can yes, give them do. rules and they'll destroy <laughs> the rules. And I was like, do you know what would be really great if I gave them a vague idea of what I wanted and let them go their own way? And I thought the only way I'm
0: going to be able to do that
1: is to put this in the TTRPG space.
0: And that's how we started on the path to The Dark After Dawn. Yes. And I took a darker turn after that. (laughs) (laughs) So what is The Dark After Dawn, though? So
1: going on from that sort of like that poetry thing, the, the dark after dawn it was originally like it was a, it was originally like the draft name for a story that i was writing based on like my experiences with mental health strangely enough i okay. had, i had named the one of the characters it was a sort of very dark tale of a very dark time in my life mm. um and i kind of wrote the story and it was very, it was um it's like my my experiences with with, like, suicide and suicide both. Yeah. And there was a part during my life where I'm, I'm lucky to be alive in that sort of aspect. But mm-hmm. while I was recovering... But then when I told that part of the story, I thought, okay that's, that's great for my own personal feelings, but what do I do next? Like, I don't want to tell a story about mental health and those kind of things. And I'm more or less recovering from that, and I've got this happy, like, a, a fantastic life. Yeah. And I thought... And then I remembered how during one of my like bouts of with like tablets so when you you start taking like medication um they have like different symptoms and like side effects and one of those is like you can have trouble sleeping or you can have nightmares or you can have hallucinations and stuff the first six weeks of tablets genuinely tend to be quite rough yeah. um and so i started interweaving the different experiences i had with those tablets and with those hallucinations and with different thoughts and I started like personifying them and giving them like a face um, and a, a face and a name and putting them together. Things like social anxiety. I started creating them into these characters and I thought, wow, that's really cool. Again, that would make a really cool story. But I just thought, no. And then when I started thinking I'm going to put it into the TTRPG space, I thought, what's a better way to fight your demons than rolling an actual dice? And fighting your demons, like, <laughs> and so I just started personifying them, and I started putting them into this. I started putting them into this world, and I started putting them into the environment. Um, and starting adding, adding to it more and more, and created this whole horror world. Um, and yeah, and then when I started interweaving those elements, I started sort of creating this this really the idea of this really horrendous world um the idea being that if you go through trauma um so for example in the story that i'd written the guy had gone through trauma and as the main character is about to jump himself into a river he just doesn't hit the water like he's meant to and all of a sudden he's sort of floating and just rises straight back up and mm-hmm. he unlocked magical powers, and I thought, okay, that's pretty cool, trauma, bringing about magical powers, and then, all of a sudden, he can see, like, the physical demons that he that were tormenting him, um, and they had, like, a name and a face and a law to go with it, and they had this story, and then I, all of a sudden, just went, what was if the whole world had that, and once if they were up to certain things, and there was this magical... Um, you know, there was these magical elements of the world that we we didn't really get to see, like quite a classical trope. But then yeah. I, as I started, it it is tropy. It was kind of tropy at the beginning, and then I kind of started change. I started sort of changing them a little bit, um saying, well, maybe they just aren't the physical emotions of sort of um mental health, but they're they're more than that, and they're taking it over the world and. It's up to the people with trauma to unlock magical powers who never had a voice before or never had any power in their actual lives suddenly get this power. They have all these thoughts about how they could change the world. Now suddenly they're able to change the world. The only thing they've got to defeat is either their own personal demons or the actual physical demons of the world. And all of a sudden, I was like, I've got a crazy um, world. And it was like, the reason why it was called The Dark After Dawn is literally because it's meant to be the dawn of a new world, the unveiling of, of a person moving into the next phase of their life or the literal mm-hmm. daytime. But it's the darkness that comes from that, the real world, interpersonal horror of of facing that world, the new challenges, but also the demons that exist
0: in the light that we just don't know about. It's so interesting to me because when we went to start talking about this, you're like, I really want to make sure that we get a chance to talk about personal horror elements in this podcast, because it's something that's really important to the game. It's something that's important to me. And I wasn't exactly sure what that meant, but that is so keyed into it. And first of all, I'm very glad that you were able to recover and, I'm sure that there are harder days than others, I know that there are for myself, but the fact that this is something that's coming out of it, I think a lot of people can relate to some of the elements in this game already without even having a huge deep dive into what the system offers
1: yeah i mean i'll give you if you don't mind me i'll give you an example so one of the first pictures you'll see it all over twitter i i at the moment i have three art pieces of art that are coming out yeah the first one i ever posted was the um the soul broker
0: yes i saw that
1: um and he's he's i put in the in sort of his little bio when we released it i put he was quite literally my worst nightmare and what i meant by that was he was literally one of my nightmares like a constant, sort of reoccurring, sort of nightmare. I creepified him up a lot, and the artists that I was working with for this particular guy outdone themselves
0: to te- to terrify even me. Yeah, that's fucking scary.
1: <laughs> and th- and then I went, well, he could be kind of like wearing a suit, and she was like, "Why a suit?" And I was like, "Did you ever watch like the Buffy episode?" And then um, there was oh, like yeah. a. Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode and they had the I can't remember their names, it was like the creepy, the gentleman that's what they were called, the gentleman that was unbelievably terrifying episode like one of the the best episodes but it was terrifying and they were just floating in these suits and I thought, suddenly they were in these suits and I was like, why? she was like, well why would a demon be in a suit? Like, I really don't get this and I was kind of like, I came up with the idea that all of a sudden they were going to be like this kind of corporate undead supernatural capitalists um kind of idea and she was like that doesn't make any sense and i was like okay we're gonna change this it's not just gonna be personal horror just to me he's gonna be a reflection of my nightmare i'll present the character but then you've got in the real world you've got they're these actual physical like you could walk into a a building like the head of a big banking corporation or those big oil companies or you know mm. all these companies that and they could be that could be the face like that could be the CEO of one of those companies and there's there's hundreds of them there's like thousands of them they're part of this like bigger legion um they're trading off people's you know powers and they're manipulating the downtrodden and they're really sort of perpetuating things and um that was just like one of them. And then I was able to personify like one of the other characters, the blink. That was social anxiety. Like they can change their face. They like they have like this kind of like um, renaissance mask looking mm-hmm. um, face. And I've had turning them into. I think one of the um, taglines for it is the fear that you're never safe. How can you trust when it's the guy at the bar asking for your number? Uh, the cute girl mm-hmm. you're waiting to meet. How well do you really know her? how do you really know what someone's thinking or feeling or who they really are? And I was like, I'm going to give them, maybe you don't know who they are. Maybe they're a shape-shifting demon that literally just shapeshifts, and it can, it, you'll never know. And I was yeah. like, all of a sudden they were like taking on more life. And then other people started telling me what they were scared of as well. And it kind of felt like people were scared of very similar things. And all of a sudden, like I could create characters that I could take those emotions, I could change them up, I could take them on or understand them, and start turning them into other characters. Um, And the cast, um, the cast just got sort of 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 villains just got bigger and bigger. From there, we actually have twelve in the first core book, Um, but in the expansion. Seventy-two total. Jeez, um,
0: that's a big number.
1: <laughs> they're going to become. They're going to become the the Azgeisha, um, which is kind of like the Legion of Hell. Um, yeah. The seventy-two Geisha from the the, Lesser Key of Solomon, um, mm-hmm. and I. We've been redesigning, the whole Azgeisha, um, to reflect, um, the world. Of, of dark after dawn of how they, how it would really work. Um, and all of a sudden we had like law and now there's like legions of hell and there's princes of hell. And um, it, it got, it got big. <laughs> and yeah. So, so those, those three became, yeah, those three became 12 and those 12 are, we're hiding another 60. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's wild to me because so, Here's here's a little bit of a fun fact. I wasn't sure how big this project was. What I was pointed to and what I've read mostly about was the quick start for the arena, which is very fun, might I add. A very, very fun thing. Have you had a go? I haven't. I, I've looked at it solo. I've, like, kind of run some... I guess technically I have solo, but I thought it was great. It's a really fun premise, and... I like how it's like a mini game that you can just drop into basically any system, and that's that's kind of what I wanted to address with this: is how different is the Dark After Dawn to the Arena?
1: So the arena thematically very similar. Um, actual gameplay wise it's just that's just a mini game for okay it can be used in one or two ways it can be used as just a mini game or it can be used as like the base for like a campaign um mm-hmm. but really it was there to um from like a business standpoint it was there to generate interest um in what we had to offer and what we could do because obviously we were trying to bring out a huge project with no real evidence of like what we were doing in the background like we haven't created like 20 30 smaller games or whatever yeah um but also thematically it kind of showed people what we were how we could time the themes of horror into um into the game so when you pick up the core book um you you'll be able to you'll be able to play it like that will be in there there's like there's a more expanded slightly expanded version of it um but it kind of the main idea was it is that this is a horrific world um and the arena is meant to be a televised sport yeah um that you you that people are talking about um and it's it's gladiatorial combat it's a sport it's going to be televised it's it's got its names um its team names um this is something people are going to watch on tv and we're all okay with that like we're okay with vampires and the different members of these different of supernatural factions just murdering each other on tv um and we're so that's kind of the idea that we're okay with that um there's kind of that personal horror will be there in the game it's going to be expanded on such a whole level like this is just one small chunk of like this is something that could be happening in the world of the dark after dawn and your character you could put it in your minigame like you could say that your um group is a team of fighters and they travel around the world and they they do their little fight and then they go off and do other other things while they're in the city and then they go off and do other things. Like you could use it as the base of a the campaign.
0: Uh-huh. They get their sponsors. They move on to the next place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I am planning on putting some rules in about how your team can get better and it can
0: add uh-huh.
1: other people and make money off of it. So that that could be like the base of their campaign, or it could literally just be, I'm going to do this when I haven't got a gaming session. Um, yeah. But it kind of it was kind of there to kind of show this this is the kind of world that we're talking about because it's not that similar to, too dissimilar to our own. Like there's some pretty weird shows out on there on TV, like yeah. at, like at the moment the reality TV shows and things like that that we're we're totally fine with watching. And yeah. I kind of went, okay, people are okay with this. Um, there's some few sarcastic quips in the book. <laughs> in the quick start, it's only about eight pages, but one of the characters, who's the main character, he's um, one of the leaders, of the factions of one of the factions. He's in He's making quips about how, um, you know, the the loser, the losers of a particular fight, um, you know, may have may may or may not have murdered the other team member for you know a bad attack in the in a previous in a previous matchup. Um, And he's talking about it quite similar to how Americans have their interest in American football or in baseball, but definitely how us Brits have um, our interest in soccer or, you know, English football, um, because there's violence that goes around with that or like MMA or boxing. Yep. I I just thought, let's take that to a whole different level and just show just how messed up. Like the dark after dawn world is going to be, so it can be as prevalent or as non-existent as the p- players will want in our game, and you can play that on your own or in a group, which is I think that was the the fun of it really.
0: Mm-hmm. If it's anything like the real world, that's terrifying to me, because I was gifted a jersey while I was in like while I was in England. And I was told you can only wear it in these places anywhere else they'll jump you, so that's terrifying to me <laughs> yeah that that's we were
1: in me and my wife were in Liverpool today, and Liverpool and the football team it shares like a closeness with another team everton mm-hmm. and like their shop their shops are really far away, like from each other they're in the same city like it's a walkable distance yeah. um they're far, far enough away. But yeah, there are actual teams where if you sit in the wrong... Sp- I've been to the kind of games where if you sit in the wrong space or you kind of say the wrong thing or you are wearing the wrong shirt or even just the wrong colour, someone somewhere is looking for a fight and there are people who are quite proud of um, being in... like there's are the kind of like football gangs yeah. that they, they're there to, to pick to pick fights um it was like a huge thing during one of england's a couple years ago just before covid i think it was
0: um yeah i remember hearing about stuff about that
1: yeah and they were destroying like jumping on police cars in the center of london like destroying absolutely destroying things um i just thought imagine that with with vampires and magicians (laughs)
0: zombies and, and stuff yeah
1: and people that can genuinely do genuine harm to each other yeah and then televise it <laughs> and just let people sort of go mad um, but hopefully it gives people the sense that that's what we're after like mm-hmm. that's the kind of world that we're creating this isn't a world where we're just it's not a Harry Potter world where like no. they're hiding behind you know a secret door This is these are people there are demons in this world they are running our companies they are doing magic out on the street and somehow we're okay with that like we've just justified like we've justified that or we're you know a vampire kills a woman on the street or like traffics you know blood trafficking or something and we're okay with that because someone somewhere has made that like that okay and i kind of yeah. mess the world that we live in in a sense yeah um yeah in a very strange sense except that i've personified some of the underlying conditions yeah. so i'm a, I'm a <laughs> philosophy sociology student by sort okay. of like, trait so i'm yeah. really playing on some of the, the um the elements of real world and hopefully that gives people something to to go <laughs> scares them a little bit
0: yeah so we've actually mentioned them a couple times but there are four factions of this game can you give people a brief description on four factions and what that might mean when it comes to somebody making their own character in this game
1: okay so how you um yeah there are there are four factions and linking them back to the title the dark after dawn I've essentially said that in the game, the the four factions um, have control over um, the different parts of the daytime, nighttime cycle. Um, so they're called um, from from beginning to end, like the the dawn, uh, the day, the dusk, and the dark. And thematically, they represent what sort of what they stand for. Um, so you have the the. the the dawn which is the humans you know kind of like the the dawn of a new day um the infinite possibility of being human you've got Mm -hmm. the the day which is sort of like the magicians they're the um that's kind of like the tarot idea like the fool's journey kind of idea that like becomes the new beginning the dusk is like the the criminal element um the sort of more roguey sort of element that's the kind of like, oh, it's dusk and weird things go on when it's nearly night time and the dark is supernatural horror um creatures. That's kind of how it originally kind of started. It's it's still in there in there in, in that sort of somewhere. Um and it was just but it then as it developed, it kind of became the cycle of like corruption, of like how if you get access to these powers, um you might slowly turn from a human you know and get worse and worse and worse and so it kind of become like a social um abstracted social concept as well okay um but then into actually playing them it sets the tone for the kind of character you're going to be able to play originally the game was just going to be you were a magician you protected the innocent there were kind of like these um you kind of shot demon shoot demons in the face with lightning balls and that was it it was like a quick thing now it's become the factions that you can actually play and it will affect the style of play so if you're affecting if you're being a human and you suddenly and you have no powers but you're suddenly aware of the demons what are you going to do if you've got magic and you are now aware of these demons are you going to fight them are you going to try and use magic for your own gain and you're going to slowly become corrupted to maybe towards their way um, do you not really kind of are you in the dusk? Do you not really care at all? Like, I've got cool powers and I've got supernatural powers, and now I'm going to go out there and make money for myself. And then the dark is, I'm a demon. Like, I'm a demon of hell. I'm here to mess up the uh, the earth. But I've also got my thing going back on in hell that I kind of want to gain my power there. Um, so it, it became a way to actually affect the kind of character you're going to play, who you were going to. What your motivations were on Earth, and then because they're all sort of in co- conflict with each other, you know, they're trying to take over from one another, and the cycle of the day and night kind of restarts. That mm-hmm. it sort of lended itself to this bigger, this sort of bigger war um, element, and we've been developing the law, sort of, kind of for, for what that looks like, um, and now it's kind of turned into a, a war. The day and night cycles turn into sort of a a metaphor for a bigger uh, a bigger war, um, and we've just started developing some some proper names um, for them, um, giving you know deciding what they're all up to, what that sort of looks like for the different factions, and they're all going to have their own motivations for doing things, um, different way different styles of um, sort of playing them um but uniquely that doesn't then border you um into a different style so if you wanted to be a demon and you decide well i kind of don't want to be this evil demon that means i just go around killing people and that's the kind of game you can kind of play that vampire masquerade kind of kind of game if you wanted to in you know be able to the player but if you kind of go well i kind of want to play a venom style demon badass anti-hero that's kind of protecting the innocent with his cool powers but he's got this you know, horrific skull face um <laughs> ghost rider style thing you-, you could do that and the mechanics will then lend itself to the ideas of corruption and atonement you could start off as a magic hero in the day faction and decide you're going to become a criminal you switch faction and you start becoming corrupted and then all of a sudden you kind of go well that's not enough for me i'm going to kind of join the demons and you can just atone and it kind of sets the kind of balance of how you're going to play the factions because you can move between them um and i kind of it kind of took a psychological turn of like what it kind of means to be human what it kind of means to go through bad and dark phases how actions sort of affect what you're up to and how you react in the world and how people respond to you and you actually have a genuine effect on um, the world around you. Um, yeah. That's kind of how it kind of plays out sort of for us. Um, in the lore, um, there's also, there's, there's a cool underlying idea of this long longstanding um, war between sort of like the forces of hell and the, the magicians and the humans. And then there's like the the roguey elements in the middle um just making profit out of everything um we're trying to create a a sandbox as well um so there's going to be some meta plot in there um but also some just genuine ideas of what you can you can get up to
0: i think that is a really strong way to play this game too especially when you look at how fluid the system is even when it comes down to like dice rolling. Dice rolling in this game is not overly complicated at all, and I really appreciate that because if I want to learn a new tabletop game, it can I love my my really big chunky games. I also like to be able to hop into something and just go. So, can we talk a little bit about how the game's running mechanically? As of right now, because I know those things can't change.
1: From the beginning, I've always said exactly what you said, was I want to be able, I love my chunky games. Um, And I love some of the complex things. Like, I love just sitting there for like three hours and creating a character, and I've had to roll 500 dice to get it done. And I love that. But one of the best ways when I got into tabletop, especially as a solo player, was like simplifying everything. And Some of the best games I could think of were like the WEG games, like the West End games, Star Wars, Doctor Who. And I absolutely sort of loved it. And um, this isn't like an insult to anyone who loves these kind of games, but there were certain types of players I came across as well. But if you didn't if you kind of struggled with some of the mechanics like percentile dice rolling or adding yeah. d10s with percentiles and all that kind of things then was kind of this like level of like elitism of like well you're just stupid and you can't play with us because you're clearly not a professional player yeah. if, if such a thing exists and i kind of went i'm going to make this as rules light as possible so i have redesigned the srd to have complicated mechanics of like lots of different skill types and lots of different magic and freeform magic and all these kind of things that you would love from a horror magical mystical game and i have managed to convert the majority of what we've got into a very basic d6 dice roll system where you will only ever roll two d6 dice for the whole game oh wow so even the D twelve of the arena, you, you will not be picking up a D twelve. It it will it will not happen. Um, you will roll even the West End games, West End games um, Star Wars, sometimes you would be rolling like seven dice. Yeah. Maybe more. I I extracted the whole system. You will do a very similar um, it still plays off in a very basic um, um, equation of that you would expect from those kind of games um, yeah. but you will never roll more than two dice and we've changed the whole srd to make that possible from social mechanics to corruption to action rolls to fortune rolls it's all in there um, so if i name the system so it's, it's 1d6 as like a base rating that's that's one dice um, in West End games, it used to be the essence or attributes were like a separate dice, maybe like two or three dice. That is now a modifier, does the exact same thing. Um, skills would add dices, maybe two or three. Um, equipment would add more dices. It's literally that dice and one other um, that we've put that I've put into it. So most of the time you're actually probably rolling one dice, come to think of it, um, the rest um, so it, it would be a light system that is still two, three hundred pages long.
0: That's so wild to me. It's a rules light system that has a lot of options.
1: Yeah, and I didn't just didn't see one that existed that had a hundred different dice rolls and you had to roll you had to own every single dice sometimes you even had to own tarot cards just to make or a pack of playing cards just to make a roll i kind of wanted to sit and go if i was playing with a group of friends and i had this idea and i wanted to play a this type of horrific game with lots of different things how do i how do i do it but I haven't made the mechanics boring, so there's there's still a slight difference between like taking an action and like making magic, um, but you're still rolling the same amount of dice. So the physical action that you're doing is it's still exactly the same. Yeah. Um, you're rolling. A, you're creating a d6 dice pool based off of a tar- against a target number, and you're modifying it by certain things. But if I said then well at the same time you're going to have a complication but your complication is going to be um anything from like stress that we're kind of all used to to your character being a fireball and now all of a sudden he's on fire oh um (laughs) and or he's drunk and contaminated water and there's like a level of contamination um and how do i how do i manage that does that directly affect his stats oh great now i'm not i'm gonna have to go into my next fight with minus two modifier you could do that or you could take the story into a different direction and now you and your six friends are now on the run and you've got to get your mate to hospital um otherwise before his downtime even kicks in he's gonna die oh so what's he doing during his downtime Okay, well, he's he's going to get money from his occupation, and that's going to help his skills. So his skills are naturally running, improving in the background. Um, but also, he's going to be in hospital, recovering from those. Oh, so I'm going to have a status effect. That's going to affect it. Yeah, that's going to affect your next game for a little bit, but maybe the whole time, the next time, during you know, you've you've got a burnt leg and now you need a prosthetic leg, for example. Or what do I what do I do? Now I've got to go find someone to make the prosthetic leg. You know, all these kind of small things that like players love. Yeah. But now I'm but I'm not losing mechanically I'm not losing fifteen dice and the game's unbalanced. You're still ever you can have those elements and those I think I've got like thirty status effects at the moment, from panic to paranoia to rashes to six stomach cramps. And you'll only ever roll <laughs> the same two dice.
0: I think that's such a good way to go about it, too. My favorite people to play tabletop role-playing games with are people who are either nervous about it but intrigued or have never touched one in their life.
1: Do you ever find, though, that GMing a game, those people who are, like, nervous for the first 10 minutes are, like, the craziest people to play
0: with? Best. Them?
1: Yes. It's like, they come up with the weirdest, weirdest things to do.
0: They do, and it makes for a great story because they're the ones who are typically playing the hardest because they haven't figured out that they don't need to win yet. And <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun that way when people, it finally clicks that they can just say what they're doing. And I feel like this game is going to give those types of players that option very easily.
1: But for the long-term fans as well, because they when for like long-term ttrpg players as well when they come to a game they go well i'm gonna make the game it's like video games when everyone when skyrim the game elder scrolls 5 came out everyone was like i've played the base game like i've played it a hundred times i'm now gonna make i'm gonna add this mod and this mod this mod And Mm -hmm. by the end of it, like, Skyrim became, like... It became, like, a hiking simulator. And you had to go, like, camping and manage food. And it just became, like, a completely different game. Yeah. But then the problem was, like, what do I do with that next? Like, now I've completed that element and I've I've done this. I'm making 500 characters. And I was thinking, well, I kind of want people to still sort of tell the stories in that world. I kind of Mm -hmm. want them to still want to play my game, obviously. Um... And so what I decided to do was, what a lot of games did, was they said, well, let's incentivize you to make a new character. When you get to a certain point, I'm going to take your character off you, and they become an NPC, and I'm going to use them as a villain. I said, well, no, I kind of want characters that you want to play for two, three, four years. You know, you want to sit down and have a long-term campaign with them. Um, So I decided for them, I was going to, tailor those mechanics so that the new people could do crazy stuff um like i'm gonna drink from this water from you know i'm gonna drink from this poison well to get this because why not and everyone's like okay that guy's gonna die but then they're going (laughs) okay we're waiting for him and we're gonna have to carry him around the map no you have to rush him to hospital because and it's gonna cost him a bomb of his own coin to, or of his own money to pay that insurance bill and you're now gonna have to run from the criminal cartel who in your game is the, the drug cartel or whatever and you they're shoot they're shooting fireballs at you and there's a good chance that you're going to go on fire um, and you can undo all of that by interacting with the world and yeah so you, you can still do all these crazy things but there's a reason for them. It's not just like, well, oh, let's just kill off this character and start again, or let's just go play a different game. Um, you, your character will go through stuff, and there's a reason for doing them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping long-time players um, of, of TTRPGs will enjoy as well, rather yeah. than just go, I'm going to break the system as much as possible. So I try to create a Big enough system for them to enjoy, yeah. while also hopefully inviting new players into it. Because you're saying, "Well, welcome to our game. Oh, how do I roll the dice? It's two d six. Or oh, go get your Monopoly board. That's there's your two dice. That's there's it. That's dice, all yeah. you need." Um, so ho- hopefully, it seems to work. I've I've been playtesting it against some long term players who have had interest in. d6 system um who have got excited about the system of my srd because i haven't tried to what people do with d6 systems is they either try to minimalize them or Mm -hmm. they go or they go with the whole well now it has to be a d10 system because we need to do this with it so i've gone no the d6 system is classic ttrpg it's the opening like the doctor who book and like the sort of start faster star trek or any of those kind of games you got two yeah. dice and a couple of books um i kind of want that feeling as well but i also want them to be able to feel like the big long-term collectors like they're picking up some of this big 300 pay hardback book and going this is awesome this must be the most complicated best system in the world it's probably been play tested 50 60 dice oh i only have to roll two dice and i can do the exact same thing hopefully it shakes some players like we as fans we know what the 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 ttrpg space is in a really weird place right now yeah with what people you know other behaviors and what the what some of the big guys in the triple a's are all been up to um and i was like no i'm not i'm not into that i've stayed away from that for a long time um i've never (laughs) i've avoided that completely and i was like let's just bring it back to playing Like. I'm going to give you a system. I'm going to give you a few ideas. I'm going to give you so many ideas. Now try and break the system. (laughs) And if you manage to, if you can, and it will happen. There'll be some gaps that I haven't figured out. But if you want your guy to have, you've thrown fireballs or spells, and you've decided you're going to try and kill your character by have him juggling fireballs in the middle of a mission, then there's a good chance he's going to go on fire and you're going to have to rush him to the hospital. And he's now, he might take a penalty for a bit, but you're going to write down on his page, rather than just write a simple minus two modifier for a few sessions, you're going to be writing down on his personal history, got set on fire, has to now go to, you know, now has to go to, in his downtime, now has to spend $500 every downtime to go to physical therapy. Yeah. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're like, oh, great, now I've got I'm stuck with this guy. Now but he's still got stuff to do <laughs> to fight the demons. Yeah. And now I've got to try and get him to physio. And now I've got to try and get him to fight demons at the same time. And now you want now you want him to get rid of that 2D modifier, minus two modifier, because you're like, I'm gonna die and this guy's got physio. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I want them to care about the characters, not just see them yeah. as sort of like cannon fodder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which I think was what like the older D&D did, like the BX D&D. Like, yep. the, that, what, when you went from book to book to book, like you got a character who was a god at the end of it, and you were like, i got this cool, awesome character that's now a god, But you, and you literally took them from... You didn't want them to die in the first dungeon at level one because you wanted them to become a god, and you did whatever you could to get them there. Yeah. now i'm hearing on twitter that people are going through like five or six game characters like a year
0: that's nuts to me like that's wild
1: i don't think i've ever killed a D character ever
0: i've come close
1: i've, I've come, come close
0: amazingly close
1: like <laughs> i've done like some really silly things with some of the characters but
0: I, yeah as a gm i've killed the D character i felt real but i've killed a couple and that's partially because that adventure was not written fairly and I should have done some homebrewing, but that, yeah, as a player, I don't think I've ever had a character die in D and D.
1: See, I'm, my system is designed to try and come up with the ideas. I have read so many homebrews over the last Mm -hmm. couple of times from so many systems. Um, and I've gone, this is a cool element. This is what people seem to be homebrewing. This is what they want. They wanted social mechanics in d They wanted their characters to have downtime jobs where they're making money and developing skills. And I've put that in there. So in a way, as big-headed as this sounds, as a newly-fledging studio, we're actually, I'm listening. I'm taking my own grudges for AAA games. I'm listening to what the <laughs> homebrewers from from the 70s the 80s the 90s the early 2000s these guys that have been playing for 20 30 years and i'm putting it into a into a game yeah and that that hopefully will bring hopefully it brings like a little bit of spice back yeah to the space because if honestly if i have to walk into one more game store and hear that the only game they stock is dungeons and dragons Man. i think yeah. i'll cry right.
0: The uh, the game stores around me are really good. Actually, there's like a lot of independent content there, which I did not expect. I've also just realized, Ricks, we've actually just passed our 50-minute mark. So I've got two questions left for you because uh, this conversation has been really good. I've loved learning about it. But there's two questions that I ask at the end of every schedule for launch episode. And... The first one being, what advice can you give to new creators looking to create their own game, but they don't really know where to start?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Right. Okay. Write down every crazy TTRPG thought that you've ever had, like no matter how crazy, like what kind of things you'd want to see in a system. Um, one of the natural places that most people tend to go is they go looking for a system, and there are so many different, I did it when I first started, I went with the Lumen system um, for attribute system, very easy to make there. It's very popular on, on itch. It's a fantastic system.
0: We've had and, a lot of talk about Lumen on the podcast,
1: but I, I kind of outgrew it really quickly. And, um, I kind of, really felt really bad when I did it and I kind of apologised to the creator of the Luma system directly and said look I'm really sorry (laughs) but I'm going to have to take your trademark straight off my book and because I stopped being really quickly just realised that the only way I was going to make the game that I wanted to see and I thought the players cared about was to break was to break the mechanics and not be afraid to just write down every crazy idea I had and put it and work out how to make the game. And there'll be some there's someone out there on the TCRP on, on Twitter, in on Discord, they'll help you do that. Like you'll go, yeah. what do you think about this idea? Um, how does this work? And if you think I've written this down, does it sound rubbish? Someone will play test it for you and they'll tell you whether it's whether it's bad and they'll tell you how to fix it which and they'll expect nothing back in return and Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for me just asking gamers what they thought and what they thought of this idea and how could i make it wider and wackier they'll, they'll they'll tell they'll tell you um some of the mechanics in the game have been redesigned five or six times just because, and it's only possible because I've asked I've asked the questions and I haven't been afraid to uh, to break the sort of conventions. Like I said, a d6 dice pool system that can do more than a d10 system is not yeah. what players are going to be used to. That it's 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 not. They either want one or the other. They expect one or the other. But it's only happened because I wrote down all the crazy ideas that I had um and spoke to the spoke to people and got out there and spoke to people and made it happen
0: i think that's great advice just getting involved with the community is always a good idea especially if you're an up-and-coming creator like you need you want people to be interested in what you're making but if you're making it for yourself like just getting it out there and seeing what other people think is sometimes a great way to boost what what you think about it too so that's some great advice right there's nothing
1: there's nothing that i'm doing the other there's nothing that i'm currently doing but other studios or other even Modifius. Modifius is one of the biggest um Love them. game creators Love out them there so much but they started off the one of the guys who i'm working with um he doesn't work for our company but he's works for our, he's going to be working for our fulfillment company um he has a deep really big connection with um modifius they started in the exact same place as where yeah. i am they started in their garage and everything else like that but i've been on the phone with them i was on the phone with them about five or six days ago um with the actual like heads of modifius and stuff and i was like i was just asking them questions and they mm-hmm. turned around to me and they said there's nothing that i'm doing that, that they haven't done already Itch, yeah. putting things in bundles um putting pay what you want ahead of your main campaign, doing Kickstarters, all these kinds of things. Everyone, even the big guys, are all doing it. And they're all on Twitter, being part of the community, getting people to playtest, thinking about becoming a podcaster. They're all doing the exact same thing. They've just been doing it a little bit longer. And they yep. bought an established an established
0: IP. Yep.
1: Um. <laughs> We're all doing the exact same thing, so just you've got to just muck in um, and always get like. Get, I will learn the biggest best thing to do it was to find the hashtag days. Like everyone knows the hashtag days now, TTRPG rising and probably Wednesday and all those kind of things. The second you start playing around with those and just shouting your name out there, two three hundred people will find you very very quickly. Yeah, we're only actually in about four weeks of trading as a, as a as a studio okay wow as an actual stu- registered studio yeah. we're 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 only in about three or four weeks of trading wow
0: but we but our product launch has gone huge that's super exciting to hear ricks where can people find out more about you and the dark after dawn
1: um mainly i'm using twitter um so I'm uh, at Rix Ritos on Twitter. That's R-I-X-W-R-I-T-O-S. Um, I've got like the, the classic link tree um, sort of list of links on on there. Um, and that, that link, links to sort of a bunch of pages. Um, it links to the main, the, the, main, the main itch page for the game, all of the, the dev blogs, all the stuff that I'm up to and all the stuff that I'm sharing um that because that's kind of like the hub um for everything and feel free just so people can just feel free to reach out and just um and just chat i've made it super easy to to get in contact um there's a page on facebook if people use facebook there's things on twitter if they want to use twitter um and um they can email me directly at tdadrpg at gmail.com
0: as always, audience, all those links are going to be down in the description below. So, just go check out Rick's stuff. Check out The Dark After Dawn. Make sure you check out the arena. It's super fun. Um, you can run it solo or with some friends. It's really good. And, Rix, I just want to once again, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. I loved learning about this game. It went in a totally different direction than I expected, and from what I we didn't even touch like anything that I wrote down. This was so cool. So thank you so so much for joining me.
1: No problem. Thank you so much for having me, definitely.
0: And audience, thank you for listening. Rick's and the Dark After Dawn. They're scheduled to launch very soon. So keep your ears and your eyes out and go support them. Go support them on Edge. Go support them wherever they're launching the rest of this amazingly cool game. Until then though. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye! Thank you so much to Rix for joining me on the show this week. There has actually been a major update on the project since Rix and I spoke last. We had briefly mentioned the Arena game that was built for people to use and give the world of The Dark After Dawn a taste. There's now a quick start, though, as well as a Discord where you can sign up and playtest the game. Go join that and talk to Rex. He's super excited about the project. The games were really cool and he's pouring everything into it. Go give it a shot. And thank you as always audience for listening. I know I didn't upload an episode last week and I apologize for that. I was finishing up the school year and I was a little stressed. I'm not going to lie, but we're here. We have like six or seven episodes backlogged now. So that's exciting. There's a lot of different stuff comics and more tabletop role-playing games so get excited for those i would also like to take a moment to direct you to a friend of mine in the tabletop space in the wake of roe v wade being struck down the lion knight who's another tabletop role-playing game creator is hosting a number of actual plays live for you on twitch for you to go and enjoy and that's in support of the National Network of Abortion Funds. Over the month of July, that's when that's going on. The National Network of Abortion Funds seeks to create a world where every reproductive decision, including abortions, take place in thriving communities that are safe, peaceful, and affordable. I'm going to be joining them as a player character on a couple different things. I'm going to be joining the Lion Knight in a Veil of the Void game. I'm also going to be joining Mo Poplar, who's been on the show a couple times now. Or is going to be? There's another Mo Poplar episode coming up very soon. He's going to be running a game of Shibuya Knights for us, and I'm super excited for that. Go support this cause. The link's going to be right in the description, so please, if you can, go and support the Network of Abortion Funds, because it's a really good organization, and I think it's really important right now. Next week, we continue the horror train, though. And I'm going to be talking to Sam, one of the creators of a little action horror comic called Rays. It's really fun, and I hope you enjoy it. Until then, though, take care of yourselves. I'll see you next time.